reasons. First of all, uh, God is bigger than any mountain. He is. And it's good also because of the uh, good job they did singing it. And these fine young ladies that are servants to the Lord, I appreciate them. I, I noticed that three of them played on the state championship volleyball team. And I'm glad that they don't just play volleyball. And I like that. That's a big part of life. But I appreciate young people that serve the Lord. Isn't that a blessing? And what an encouragement it is. It was an encouragement to see some of you smile at them and say amen while they were singing. That's an encouragement. Not an easy task to stand up here. And I appreciate that good singing. Open your Bibles again to James chapter 4. I'm going to give you a message similar to this morning in that this is a pastoral message or uh, this is uh, how I would counsel an individual who has made mistakes in life. Now, I'm not talking necessarily about sin, though a mistake can be a sin, but a mistake is something that we do not intend to do. I, I, I deal with a lot, of, a lot of mistakes, and all of us make mistakes at times, but uh, mistakes are frustrating. Uh, they are. They are to us. They're discouraging. Sometimes we make mistakes and we just, we just want to quit. We just want to give up. And uh, so I, wanna, I just want to counsel with you and uh, maybe help prevent some mistakes, uh, help us to overcome mistakes we've already made, help us to learn from mistakes. It's better to learn from the mistakes of others than it is your own mistake. Uh, if somebody else made a mistake and I learned from it, it'd be better to learn from their mistake than for me to make the same mistake. Amen. And, uh, but I want to I talk to you about that tonight, overcoming or dealing with our mistakes. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the privilege to serve and to pastor a people that are faithful to love you, uh, to serve you. Thank you for the many who gave your name and your gospel, uh, the only way of salvation to heaven to many people throughout uh, the city and the state uh, this week. And I thank you for the faithfulness of God's people to serve you and to be in church on a Sunday night. And I really hunger and desire to be a blessing to them. I, I want to. I, I want them to go away saying that message, that truth helped me tonight. And with all of my heart, I have no desire to preach a great sermon, but I have a great desire to help every teenager, every man and woman, every child, every person in church tonight. And I pray, Lord, that you'd help me. In Jesus' name I pray, uh, amen. Everyone in the Word of God had uh, times of mistakes in their life. Now, some just flat out sinned. They disobeyed God, and I understand that. When I talk about a mistake, I'm not necessarily talking about uh, something that they know is wrong and uh, they do it anyway. I'm not necessarily talking about that. Uh, some in the Bible learned from their mistakes and they became uh, great Christians. The psalmist said, it is good for me that I'd been afflicted uh, because of my sin. He didn't say it was a good thing that I sinned. He said, I learned from my sin. It was good that I was afflicted or punished for my sin. Some learned and taught others from their mistakes. For example, Jesus said to Peter, When thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren. And two of the great books in the New Testament are those books of First and Second Peter. When he warns us, be sober, be vigilant. Your adversary the devil walketh about as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Some made the same mistakes of their fathers and worse. I think of Jehoshaphat. He was a good man. 
uh, but he made a mistake of a wrong fellowship, a wrong alliance. And uh, his, his reasoning was right. His reasoning uh, in, uh, in joining Ahab, his reasoning was right, uh, but his principles were wrong, and he, he, he made a mistake in doing so. Uh, some repeated their mistake until they were fatal. I hate this illustration, but it's what the Bible says. Uh, some make mistakes. Uh, uh, the Bible says they're like a fool, and he gives the illustration of a dog returning to its vomit. Now, I wouldn't say that, except that's what the Bible says, and that is a very gross uh, uh, illustration of the foolishness of someone that repeats the same mistake again and again. And I pray that because of this message that the, we would learn how uh, maybe to stop making a, a mistake or stop putting ourselves in a place of making a mistake. Uh, Noah Webster's 1828 dictionary was a help to me in understanding uh, what a mistake is. Uh, for example, it means to take wrong or to understand erroneously or not on purpose, just misunderstood. Uh, I've told you about the three fellows that were hard of hearing. Uh, one said, it's uh, windy today. And the other said, well, I thought it was Thursday. And the third said, me too, I'll have a Diet Coke. And so they didn't make a mistake on purpose. They just didn't hear right. And as a result, they didn't understand right. Uh, Webster says uh, to take one thing or one person for another. And he gives these two illustrations which are very good. He said we often mistake, uh, we often mistake the eloquence of self-apology for the animation of conscious integrity. Sometimes we think because somebody's really good at giving an apology that they are a person of integrity. He said it's a mistake to think that one is the other. That's a good illustration. Uh, he gives this. A man may mistake the love of virtue for the practice of virtue. It's one thing to love character and virtue. It's another thing to have character. It's another thing to have virtue. We often make a mistake and we judge someone who loves character as one who has virtue or character. The word mistake means to err in opinion or judgment. To err in opinion or judgment. It means a slip, uh, a fault, an error. Uh, nobody slips on purpose. You don't just go out and say, watch this, I'm going to fall down on the ice. Uh, that just happens. It's a mistake. And so uh, that's what a mistake is. As we read the Word of God, we find that some made mistakes with the tongue. That is often the place of making a mistake. Uh, getting our mouth in gear before our mind is in gear is a mistake. Sometimes we say things, they may be true, but they're not necessary to say. Uh, we make mistakes of the tongue. Uh, we make mistakes of anger. Moses made a mistake of anger. He was frustrated at the people, and it's a very interesting to read uh, the book of Exodus, especially 18, 19, 20, 21, and through there. Moses is so angry at God, he says, God, you ought to just kill the whole bunch. The next chapter, God says to Moses, I'm going to kill them all, and Moses said, no, don't kill them. And uh, it's just interesting to see that, but Moses made a mistake of anger. Sometimes we make mistakes in our mind. Elimelech thought he was taking care of his family. 
He, he, he really did. I, I want to believe in Limelech. I mean, this is a man that lived in Bethlehem, Judah. He said, there's a famine in the land. We can go sojourn uh, in Moab. Now, he said sojourn. He didn't say we're moving to Moab. He knew better than that. But he just reasoned in his mind. He made a mistake in doing that. And, of course, uh, he died and his uh, two sons died. And I, I, I want to bring to our attention that mistakes are costly and sometimes uh, mistakes can be fatal. And so I want to take the scripture in James chapter 4 and help us to think about mistakes and especially mistakes that we can prevent. Then there's a mistake of disobedience or following the flesh above the spirit and perhaps that borders more on sin than it does, than it does a mistake. There are the mistakes of pride. Peter said, he told Jesus, I'll go with you to the cross. I believe Peter loved Christ. In fact, Peter did eventually die for the cause of Christ. But he made a mistake. He misjudged his own character. He thought he was stronger than he was. He was with the wrong crowd. And he thought, he thought, like sometimes we think, we can handle being with a crowd that is against Christ and against God. And I believe that Peter made a mistake. He made a mistake several times with his mouth. Made a mistake one time with his sword. He cut a fellow's ear off. He didn't intend to do that. He intended to cut his head off. Uh, but anyway, uh, both uh, was a mistake. So I'm going to give you three things tonight or three mistakes that we can avoid uh, or that we should attempt to avoid uh, because they're given to us here in the Word of God. First of all, avoid the mistake of foolish planning. A foolish Planning. And he gives us an illustration, a very powerful one. It takes quite a few verses as we go through uh, the book of James, verses 1 through 13, the mistake of foolish planning. Let me start with the end of what I'm going to say. Uh, foolish planning is foolish when we make plans without God or make plans without thinking about the will of God. Are you with me tonight in our, in our service tonight? Are you with me to understand? We oftentimes make plans, and we make plans with the best intentions. We make plans with what we've reasoned to be right, but we really have not spent any time in prayer, maybe a mention uh, to God, or maybe a, 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 a statement like, well, I really feel like this is uh, the will of God. And we make plans without spending time in prayer. And I believe that it's important to spend, when you're making decisions, a lot of time in the Word of God. Now, you may not find the answer for your decision in the Word of God, but there's something very special about spending time in the Word of God because the Holy Spirit cannot guide me in prayer where I do not know the Word of God. Because the Word of God, or I'm sorry, the Holy Spirit of God reminds me of the Word of God. Let, let's look at these verses. James's uh, uh, readers were guilty of indifference toward the brethren, and then that caused them to be indifferent toward God. You ever say, well, everybody else is doing it, I might as well. Or you may say, it doesn't matter. Nobody cares about me. Nobody cares about what I'm doing. And we've all had that reasoning at times. And if, when we get indifferent toward others, we'll get indifferent toward God. Let's look at the verses. From whence come wars and fightings among you? Uh, come they not hence even of your lust that war in your members? You lust and have not. You kill and desire to have and cannot obtain. You fight in war, yet you have not because you ask not. You ask and receive not because you ask amiss or ask for the wrong reason. That you may consume it. You have a prayer just to consume on your own lust. That's a mistake. 
It's a mistake to say, God, I want you to do my will. Prayer should be to do the will of God. Are you with me tonight? Verse number four, ye adulterers and adulteresses. Whoa, this is strong language. What in the world is he talking about here? Know ye not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God? That's strong language. He said, you're adulterer, adulteress. If your decisions are made by a friendship, a fellowship, an influence of the world, rather than the influence of the word of God. We need not make mistakes of foolish planning. Notice what he says in verse number 5. Do you think that the scripture saith in vain, the spirit that dwelleth in us lusteth to envy, but he giveth more grace. Wherefore he saith, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace unto the humble. You want to do a good Bible study? Do a study on the word contrite, contrite spirit or humble spirit. You'll find that God always responds to a humble spirit. Uh, verse number 7, Submit yourselves therefore to God and resist the devil and he will flee from you. Draw nigh to God and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded, be afflicted and mourn. Uh, weep, uh, la uh, let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to heaviness. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and he shall lift you up. Uh, look, if you will, at verse number 13. Go to now, ye that say today or tomorrow, we will go into such a city and continue there a year and buy and sell and get gain. Here's a fellow who makes plans. He makes foolish plans because he leaves God out of the planning. I wrote down these notes. His plan is constructed. I'm going to do it today and tomorrow. The place is chosen. He is going to go get in on the ground floor and make his fortune. His period is calculated. They would need only one year to succeed. He's got a good plan here. Their purpose is considered. I'm going to go buy and sell. I'm going to make gain. He's going in to some kind of a retail business. Their profit is counted. He said get gain. So his plan is constructed. His place is chosen. His period is calculated. One year. Uh, their purpose is considered. Buy and sell. Their profit is counted. Get gain. And that became their focus. Putting their treasure uh, in the wrong world is a sure road to disaster. But the mistake that he made is twofold. He made this plan with no regard for the will of God and no regard for the working of God in his life. Simply stated, many people live their lives as if God does not exist. You ever thought of atheism? I personally don't believe in atheists. You get it? Atheists don't believe in God. I don't believe in atheists. One of the self-acclaimed atheists in American history was a woman named Madeline Mary O'Hare. believe she was born in 19-teens, 1913, 1917, maybe in 1930, but early in the, in the 1900s. Uh, she was uh, greatly responsible for prayer being removed from the public schools in this country. How many of you have heard of her? You heard her name. Most of you have. She was murdered along with her son and granddaughter for, for the money that they, had, uh, that they had amassed. She was famous because she was an atheist. I looked at a picture today of her holding up a book and it described and talked about her atheism. 
She said that she did not believe there was a God. She was an intellectual atheist. She reasoned out everything, and in her reasoning, she declared there is no God. But do you know there's another kind of atheist other than an intellectual atheist? Uh, that is someone that is a practical atheist. They, uh, they may say they believe in God, but they never ask him what to do when it comes to their will. I don't want to be a child of a king and act like an atheist. An intellectual atheist reasons things out and they reason it to the place that they declare there's no God. But then there's a practical atheist that says, like a Limelech, uh, there's a famine in the land, uh, work is good, food is good in Moab, we'll just go down there and I'll take care of my family there. You know what a Limelech's doing? He's acting like an atheist. Now, folks, listen to me. Don't make the mistake of making plans without God. It's a mistake to make plans. Now, a lot of things we reason in life. A lot of things we reason out, and we will reason them out good. This will take care of my family. God wants me to take care of my family. This will help me. I enjoy doing this. But if it is right, there's nothing wrong or there should be nothing frightening about spending time with God in prayer and in his word saying, God, can you bless this choice in my life? You see, what's the will of God for some may not be the will of God for others. God doesn't choose a man to be a preacher because his daddy was a preacher. God doesn't choose a man to be a preacher because his brother's a preacher. God doesn't choose a woman to be a preacher just because he doesn't choose women to be preachers. <laughs> I just thought I'd throw that in there. You knew that already, but some denominations don't understand that. Look at verse number 15. For that you ought to say, if the Lord will, we shall live and do this or that. You see, all of the future is in the hand of the Lord. Our best course of action in this life is to find God's will. Now hear me well, it is better to prevent a mistake than it is to learn from one. It is better to learn from another's mistake than it is to learn from one. Why do you think God put the story of Elimelech and Naomi in the Bible? Why? Because he doesn't want us to reason as did Elimelech. He wants us to do his will. Why did he tell us the story of Moses losing his temper and smiting the rock rather than speaking to the rock? Because it's an example of what I should not do. Let's not, let's not be a practical atheist and say, I've got this figured out, I know what to do. Uh, ten other people did it and God blessed them. Surely will God bless me. Well, if it's in the will of God, there's no fear in spending time in prayer and the word of God about the will of God. Second of all, let's uh, avoid the mistake of foolish presumptions. We learn in this passage of scripture, we presume too many things. Verse number 14, whereas you know not what shall be on the morrow. You and I have no idea what's going to happen tomorrow. We have no idea. For what is your life? And he answers with an illustration. It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. For that you ought to say, if the Lord will, you shall live and do this or that. 
But now you rejoice in your boastings. You've made your plans. You've announced them. All such rejoicing or rejoicing without being in the will of God, all such rejoicing is evil. Therefore, to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not for him it is sin. I want to make note. I want you to understand I'm counseling with you tonight about avoiding mistakes. Now, I'm glad to help folks that have made mistakes. I met folk with folks this week. They made some honest mistakes. They did what they thought was best. And, and, and they didn't come to me for the answer. Uh, they came to me because they wanted to, me to help them, guide them in the answer. Don't you misunderstand me. I'm not the answer. God's will is the answer. I'm just the counselor. I'm just the road sign. I'm just pointing uh, to the direction. That's all I'm doing. Uh, folks came to me this week and said, Preacher, I made this mistake. How can I overcome this tonight? I want to say not only should we learn from our mistakes that we've made, we ought to avoid every mistake that we can, and we should avoid the mistake of foolish presumption as they did in verses 14 and 15 and 16. First of all, they failed to understand the complexity of life. Too many times we count on things just going perfect. You know one of, the, one of the biggest mistakes folk make? They make financial decisions based on their assumption that everything is going to continue as it is. In the building program, and I, I started to say over the last five years, I'll rephrase that in my thinking. In the building program of the last 32 years, a lot of times God has said, wait. I don't like to wait. But I've found that waiting is better than making a mistake. And, and, and there are things tonight, and, and, and I'll probably die with a hundred things on my three by five cards or in my little book of work that I want to get accomplished, and that's all right. I, I, I don't want to die in a rocking chair. I want to die serving God. But, but, but I can't presume that anything is going to continue. That's why, listen to me, we better trust the will of God. We better spend time in His Word and in prayer. And here, they're presuming that everything is going to continue as it will. And I want you to notice what he says here in verse number 14. Verse number 13, Go to now ye that say today or tomorrow, we will go into such a city. Notice and be careful about the we wills. It was the I will that caused the fall of Satan. Now, I'm not trying to fuss at anybody tonight. I'm just saying the best guide in life is the Lord Jesus. You better go with Christ. It's all right to stop where you are right now, whether you've made a mistake or about to make a mistake, and say, Lord, I don't know if I've spent enough time in your word. I don't know if I've spent enough time in prayer. And it doesn't matter even if you have declared. Think of this story. Samuel is told to choose a new king for Israel and uh, because Saul has been rejected. He goes down to Jesse's house and he has all of Jesse's sons come before him as God had directed him to do. And Samuel made this statement when he saw Eliab, Surely the Lord's anointed is before me. You know why he said that? Because Eliab was head and shoulders above everybody else. He was a big fella. He reminded him of Saul. And the great prophet Samuel made the declaration, Surely the Lord's anointed is before me. But God said, Samuel, hey, 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 wait a minute. Slow down just a bit. Wait for me. 
And what he found out was that he had made a decision based on the appearance. What else can we do? Well, we can ask God. We can ask God. And I'm glad that Samuel, though he had declared something that was wrong, Eliab never became the king. He was not God's chosen. He asked Jesse, do you have any other sons? He said, I have one son that's tending the sheep. You read the instruction. He told him to have all of his sons to come. But not even Jesse, not even Jesse had David to come because he was just a young man taking care of the sheep. But that was God's choice. I want to be a Samuel, though I may declare a mistake, I want to be in tune with God to the place when the Holy Spirit says, wait a minute, I want to stop right there. I'd rather declare a mistake and not make it than to declare a mistake and have so much pride, I'm not willing to stop and say, wait a minute, I made a mistake. Or I was about to. He also failed to see the uncertainties of life. They seemed certain what was going to happen. People ignore God when they make their plans because oftentimes they're afraid that God will get in their way. The uncertainties of life. I don't know if I'm going to live to next Sunday. I desire to. I want to. But I must live in the will of God today. Let's not make the mistake of foolish presumptions. When Napoleon Bonaparte said to a friend of his plans to invade Russia, his friend tried to dissuade him and he made this statement to Napoleon Bonaparte. He said, and I quote, Man proposes, but God disposes. His friend was counseling him. Napoleon replied, and I quote, I dispose as well as propose. Napoleon continued in his arrogancy, and that was the turning point of his own downfall. He learned that while man may propose his plans, only God can bring them to fruition. He says, what is your life? It is even a vapor. I want you to think with me just a moment. While we want to live a long time, death is going to come. And if you're not careful, you will make plans without the thought that death could come at any time, so I do not need to put off the will of God. There's so many verses in the Bible. Let me give you an example. 1 Chronicles 29, 15. For we are strangers before thee and sojourners as were all of our fathers. Our days on the earth are as a shadow and there is none abiding. As I've sat for the last three weeks in the evening service there under the tabernacle, there is a certain time, about 7.45, when the sun is setting, that it's very bright on the platform. But that only lasts a little while because that sun sets every evening. You know what he's saying? That's how your life is. Hey, folks, we're not going to live forever. We better be in the will of God tonight. We better be in every plan that we make. We need to make that plan in the will of God.
Job 14, man that is born of woman is a few days and full of trouble. He cometh forth like a flower and is cut down. He fleeth also as a shadow and continueth not. Job chapter 7, verse number 6. My days are swifter than a weaver's shuttle and are spent without hope. Job 8, 9. For we are but of yesterday and know nothing because our days upon earth are a shadow. Don't let the world convince you that you're going to live forever. I'm going to live as long as it's in the will of God to live and I would be a fool to make my plans outside the will of God. I do not want to make the mistake of presumption. Let me give you the last thing. Let's not make the mistake of postponing the will of God. Look at verse number 17. Therefore, to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. I was talking to a family, not this week, but last week. A man in the family found out that he had but a short while to live. And here's what he said, and here's what the family said. We're devastated. And they said that as if they never, ever expected to die. Isn't it something how all of us, think with me, how all of us know we're going to die. But if the doctor says you have three weeks, three months, six months to live, all of a sudden there is a fear within us. Don't you think there ought to be some sobriety in our mind understanding it does not matter our age. Death is going to come and it could come at any time. There are two things I close with. If you're not saved, you ought to get saved today. I mean, you shouldn't put it off until tomorrow. You shouldn't put it off until next week. You should never put it off. I was reading the story of a king who sent for a court jester. How many of you know what a court jester was? A court jester is somebody that entertained uh, the uh, guest of the king and often the king. Uh, they, were, they were foolish. They, they were silly. They would do things that were silly. And uh, they would do things to make the king laugh. They would do things to make the, uh, the king's uh, uh, guests and visitors, they would entertain them. Uh, maybe I would think of them as a juggler or somebody that would paint their face like a clown. They were silly. And I read this story. A king sent for his court jester and presented him with a stick, just a stick. He said, and I quote, take this stick and keep it until you find a bigger fool than yourself. He laughed, and the jester laughed, and he left the court of the king. Sometime later, the king was lying on his deathbed. He sent again for the jester, this time in sobriety and seriousness. He said to the jester that had entertained him for some time, I'm going away, said the king. Where, asked the jester. To another country, replied the king. The jester said, what provision has your majesty made for this journey and for living in the country, whether thou goest? The king said, none. The jester took the stick that the king had given him 
and an earlier time. He handed the stick to the king and he said, take it. I have found a bigger fool than myself. For I only trifle with things of time while you have trifled with things of eternity. What a fool to put off salvation. Trust him tonight. Then I say in closing, how foolish it is to put off our service for Christ. Serve God tonight. Serve God this week. Serve God with your life this week. Don't wait until the fall. Don't wait until the winter. Don't wait until another time. Let's serve him while we can. Let's get those gospel tracts in our pocket. Uh, let's be ready at every opportunity. At every opportunity. Let's take advantage of our opportunities to serve God while we can. I'd gone to a tire shop or a, actually a mechanic shop where Brother Hall had directed me to right down from the camp and uh, we needed some tires changed on one of the vehicles there at the camp and uh, there was an elderly gentleman there and uh, he was having a vehicle worked on and he said, Pastor Fugit, he said, I'll watch you every Saturday night. And I said, where do you live? And he told me the farm uh, there on 39 on the main road uh, coming to the camp. And he said, right where the, uh, the, late, uh, the last concrete bridge goes across there, the state road, that's where I live. I was born there 77 years ago. We talked for a few minutes and then he said, could I ask you to pray for someone? And I said, sure. And he showed me a picture on his phone. He said, this boy is 13 years old. His name is Colt. He may be watching me tonight. His name is Colt. Would you pray for him? I said, I would. The boy was wearing a football uniform. I said, fine looking young man. Who is this young man? Is he in your family? Oh, he said, that's my grandson. I put my hand on Mr. Carlisle's shoulder, Carlisle Stone. I put my hand on his shoulder and I began to pray. When we finished praying, tears were streaming down his jaw. I'm praying for that young man to be saved. Folks, we can't wait till tomorrow to serve God. We have to speak up now. We can't wait for convenient seasons to, to serve God. One of the great preachers of yesteryear, I'll tell you this story and then I'll finish. This is my third closing for the sermon tonight. But this is the last closing I have. But it's all right. I ate three desserts the other day after one meal. George W. Truett was one of the greatest preachers of his generation who pastored the great First Baptist Church of Dallas, Texas. He told the story long before he was ever called to preach, just as a boy. He remembered his first attempt to win a friend to Christ. There was a revival meeting going on. He asked his friend, Jim. He said, Jim, will you go to church with me tonight? George W. Truett was just a young Christian, just a young boy at the time. He didn't know much about witnessing or winning anybody to Christ. He knew he just needed to get them to church and get them to the revival meeting. He said, Jim, let's go to the revival tonight. He said, when we go, he said, I will walk down the aisle with you. He said, Jim, you need to give your life to Christ tonight. He said, Jim responded, and I quote from his testimony, I can't do it tonight, George. Let me off tonight. If I still feel this way, I'll do it tomorrow night. 
but let me off tonight, George. He went to school the next day. Jim wasn't there. The next day he went to school. He wasn't there, so he went to Jim's house. He knocked on the door. Jim's mother answered the door. He said, Jim hasn't been in school in the last couple of days. And the mother said, haven't you heard Jim is very sick? He sat down with her permission in the living room, worried about his friend Jim. He said to the mother, would you let me go in and pray with Jim in his room? When he went in, he found that Jim had a high fever from pneumonia. And he was delirious. And he was speaking just in, in, uh, out of his mind or delirious. And he got close to him so he could hear what he was saying. And Jim was saying, not tonight, George. Let me off. If I feel this way tomorrow night, I'll do it. But let me off tonight, George. Not, 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 not tonight, George. George's up here. Truett saw one of his best friends, just as a boy, go out into eternity. The last words he said was, not tonight. That had a big part in George W. Truett not only walking with God and preparing his life for whatever God wanted him to do, but God calling him to preach. And I want to say tonight, don't put off till next week what God's called you to do now. Mistakes. Not, not sins, not rebellious people, but just mistakes. God give us wisdom. You said in James 1.8, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask. God give us wisdom. Stand with me if you will. Heavenly Father, so many times we make mistakes and perhaps the majority of the times they are overlooked, they're forgotten, they go away. Sometimes we spout off and say things that we shouldn't say. Sometimes we answer harshly or sometimes negatively and they're just brushed aside and because we're friends, we just forget those.